What's up everyone? Today we are going deeper into structural balance programs and we're talking about load management. What does load management mean? A lot of people don't understand this, so much so that uh, Phil, Richard and me had to make sure that we were on the same page before we did this show. Stick around. What's up everyone? My name's Yanni Bormeister. I'm joined by Phil White, Rad Bormeister, and behind the mic is Richie. How is everyone? How are you, Richie, first? Pretty good, pretty good, guys. Pretty good. The voice behind of the camera God. as well. Behind the camera, yeah, that's right. That's right, behind the switchboard. How are you, Rad? Pretty good. How Ready you, to Phil? get into yeah. it. Less chaos in the gym today. <laughs> no, man. Nothing oh, bursting man. from the seams anymore. Yeah, we'll fill you in very quickly. We weren't on. We weren't on live yesterday doing a show uh, because we were uh, rearranging some equipment in the gym to to um, fit in with our COVID safety plan that we had to submit, and uh, we burst a high pressure water main that was mysteriously only a few inches below the surface of our concrete slab. Um, clearly not building code Australia standards, and. Uh, yeah, we had a flood in the gym. It was a b bit of a disaster. I was here until just after 2 a.m. working with the plumbers and Sydney Water. Good times. Good times, but yeah. we're back. Yeah, so Good hopefully, uh, you know, I put up a little bonus episode yesterday, <coughs> uh, a little hark back to 2018 and um, talking to Dan Radford um, about uh, oh. cutting some wines because I thought, you know, after yeah. all the stress of the other day, you know, uh, and, and, and a couple of drinks would go a long way. So, very uh, timely because I did have a few glasses of wine last night yeah. in celebration for the and fact that... So if you're going to have it, might as well, you know, know a bit, of, bit about wine and, and what's the best one to go for. So, Absolutely. yeah, hopefully people enjoyed that and uh, uh, I guess, and yeah, to appreciate how long, how far the... Uh, the audio production and everything that's come since then. Yeah, so absolutely. It's a nice little, nice little throwback. So I hope you yeah, guys enjoyed absolutely. that. Absolutely. When we used to do those podcasts, we were out on the gym floor. Yeah, it was babies like, crying in the background. Yeah. It was, uh, it's a total mess. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. But hilarious. Well, today's a big show. Uh, today's a really important show. And we're actually going to um, cram Thursday and Friday together tomorrow uh, and just combine the, the, the talking points. But today we really wanted to keep it on topic and focused because we bang the drum of uh, mastering load management or, you know, I chose the, na the, the word mastering load management because it just rhymed better, but really understanding load management is, uh, is more important. And this has been, a, 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 I would say, a breakthrough for us here at Unity Gym uh, and the way that we teach our program. So why don't we just uh, talk a little bit about um, uh, each of the topics, each of the key points today, because it's a huge mistake uh, to, to, to think that you can exercise, to think that you can, um, you know, put, uh, expose your body to that stress, which is exercise. Exercise is a stress to the body that, um, that um, demands a response where we adapt to that. And uh, it's, a, it's a big mistake to think that you can do that and not understand load management and avoid injury. Yep, absolutely. And the first thing that I want to say is because a lot of people don't understand this and it is, it's important to simplify what load management means and it really is a combination of intensity and volume. And intensity refers to the simplest way to describe intensity is how heavy. So when the weight goes up, the intensity goes up. When the weight goes down, the intensity goes down. With calisthenics training, that can also mean going to harder progressions. Whereas volume means how much, and it's quite simply how many reps. How many reps did you do in a workout? And that can be a combination of more sets can mean more reps or more reps per um, exercise. More exercises can mean more reps. 
Um, so intensity is how heavy, volume is how much, and load is the combination of both of them. Yeah. Uh, and so that's important to understand what we mean by load management. So there's so many different ways that you can manipulate load. You can increase intensity and reduce volume. You can increase volume and reduce intensity. You can increase both. You can reduce both. There's all these different ways that you can manage your load. Yeah, that's Love it. Very good. Very simple. Very good. And yep. uh, and then the and there's some really in depth and wishy-washy explanations of that. <laughs> and some of them I tried to explain before in the past. And, uh, you know, after Phil and Richard and I had a little bit of a debate about it, that's what we decided that we, the way that we were going to describe it. Well, and I think it. it's you the were, simplest, easiest way to deliver do it. it in the most simple form possible so you guys get the most amount of value yeah, out so of it. So you can conceptualize it yourself and start to see how this applies in, um, you know, your own training. And I think the other really key thing to understand about load management is obviously that's a great way of kind of talking about load in the gym. But then you've also got to think about load in the rest of your life. So uh, what does your work involve? So if you're, um, you know, you're a removalist and like when you think about, you know, if you're carrying lots of heavy things versus um, like a few heavy things versus lots of light things, like you can start to do your own little like, you know, to kind of basic load calculations, which helps you then inform like if you then go in the gym and, you know, you've done a whole lot of intensity in the in you know your workplace then maybe you've got to then tweak what you're doing in the gym because load management is is such a key thing to understand in the gym it's easy to measure and control but in the rest of your life it can be challenging and then um that also comes down to you know sports you're involved with um you know positions that you're in for long periods of time you can think about a you know sitting at a like if you're i don't know an actuary and you're at, a, at your desk for 16 hours a day because you've got a big deadline coming up and you're in this sort of this position with your back all day that's like a very long uh, intensity isometric, sorry, very long duration isometric contraction of the muscles in your back. And that's going to be a load that you have to deal with. So, And that brings us to question of the day, which is, and maybe uh, Richie can type this up for me afterwards. What do you do for a job? What do you do for a pastime that puts your, that, that exposes your body to prolonged positions? It could, it can be standing. Like I used to work as a security guard at a, at nightclubs and I'd be standing at the door all night and I'd get, um, for that period of my life, I actually ended up with a lot of varicose veins in my ankles and stuff from blood pooling, standing up for long, 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 long periods. Uh, it can be sitting at a desk. It can be, you know, being a removalist and you're constantly bending over and picking things up. Yeah, I think like even not about just like uh, long duration stuff, like what intensity sort of stuff do you come across in your day? Like what loads do you deal with in your pastimes and hobbies? That Yeah, Out, the key is outside of the gym, outside, outside of, the gym. of the gym. And then we maybe can have a discussion about what's, what Phil was just talking about, then what sort of loads you're going to be exposed to and how that can... Uh, affect what you're doing in the gym and how you how you need to consider it. So if you get if you get your comment up there, if you get your uh, answer up there in the comments, we'll definitely um, dissect it and talk about it a little bit and give you a little bit of um, constructive feedback. All right. Quickly before we go on, I'm so stoked to not be underneath the uh, Sound of Movement podcast poster anymore. I feel like I was oh, no, constantly being that? looked over and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had the the mutant uh, Burmeister. Monster yeah, above, above me us. the whole yeah. time, and I was kind of covering the name <laughs> of the podcast. So, yeah. oh, I'm just really loving this for all those people who are on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> if you jump onto you the UMS Bowmaster line, you, uh, they're all moved I mean? up a bit higher too, like nice three inches. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, done, done good work there. I know, I know. So, uh, guys, what we're talking about before the, the the myriad of different variables that you can manipulate to change load, change intensity, change volume, that is basically in in a nutshell program periodization that is what that that leads us into our first point so rad why don't you build some context around 
the concept of program periodization and share essentially the most simple form uh, the the introduction to periodization that we use in our foundations program yeah absolutely so the before we even talk about periodization the first thing that you need to understand is uh, a process of what's called adaptation and adaptation is not just what occurs in the body it's what occurs um, in life to a stimulus like so you can the I, I really like this example of adaptation when when you talk about a tree that grows up towards the Sun and if something then um, if another tree grows over the top of it and blocks its Sun that tree will now start growing to the side to find more Sun and that's adaptation so the same thing happens in our bodies um, as a stimulus as a response to a new stimulus so when you start lifting weight your body it creates a stimulus and the body adapts to that stimulus by becoming stronger so that's what the process of adaptation is in a nutshell now what happens is that when you first come to a gym or when you first start exercising just it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're doing something that you haven't done before you'll adapt to it and you'll become stronger um, or you'll become fitter if you run or whatever it is you'll become more flexible if you start stretching but Pretty quickly, uh, a lot quicker than what a lot of people understand, um, in a matter of months, that the, the, the big gains that you get from that initial adaptation stop and you have to start getting creative with uh, programming where you have to start um, understanding the ways that you can manipulate load, the ways that you can use different rep ranges, different amounts of weight, different rest periods, different exercise selections, different angles of hitting the same muscle. Uh, and that becomes periodization. Periodization is the changing of any or all of the following, which is exercise selection, the amount of reps that you do, which is intensity, the amount of rest that you have between sets and also between workouts, the tempo that you do the perform the exercise at and what's the last one that i'm missing here recovery recovery yeah the recovery period so the rest between sets and just because i love to go way too far with metaphors uh if you think about the tree um you know if it a tree just grows in like a any old you know place it will get to a certain level and it'll stop but if you feed that tree with like fertilizer and watering at the right times and you get all these other things around it the microbiome around it is all right and that tree is going to keep growing and build stronger and, and if you get that right from the get-go the, the potential for growth is going to be best so there you go it's going to yep. be huge that's your periodization is the like your periodization your load management is the fertilizer it's the making yep. the optimal conditions for this tree to grow and it is critical like if you it, you have to think about what your goals are and if your goals are that you you know you just want to be a little bit stronger and you just want to feel better and you want to age gracefully then just turning up to the gym and going through the workouts will probably be enough for you you know that is just so much more than what the average person is doing but usually people get to a point where they get a little bit frustrated that they're not getting better that they feel like you know those initial like where they could feel themselves getting stronger and fitter and more flexible every week um, or every month at least and all, all of a sudden that's not happening anymore and when you get to that point that's when periodization is not a uh, nice thing to do it's an essential thing to do if you don't do it you're just not going to see those consistent gains anymore and if you know how to periodize properly, then you should never plateau. Um, it, it, won't, it just won't happen. You'll always find a way to get better and to keep pushing forward. Yeah, the, the, um, the context of plateauing, like we like to say that you don't, you, 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 a training program shouldn't continually progress you at the same rate permanently. 
you should be undulating or sort of leveling up in stages as you start to ramp up the intensity and volume for like say a peak week that's when the biggest adaptations happen at unity gym and in the ums and then you deload and then it really uh, the, the the adaptation starts to kick in and then you sort of plateau a little like you don't plateau you the adaptation slows a bit as we reintroduce new stimulus and then it starts to ramp up again so if you were to look at it on a graph it should kind of look like a, a a step you know um a continual uh, staircase going up yeah. uh it's not going to be a straight linear line but and and you shouldn't expect that but you certainly shouldn't pre uh, like plateau you know yeah. that 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 um, staircase shouldn't have a uh, what do you call it a a, a ledge <laughs> that makes sense yeah i think that's a key point i think it's so important to understand that you know you've got to embrace that like under that journey of you know things are going to be everything's kind of intentional and it's not going to be just like a yeah keep walking up and and, and, and it's all yeah sorry and and the whole the whole purpose of periodization is so that you like it brings us into the next talking point here which is that it 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 continually achieves progressive overload that's the purpose of periodization and progressive overload um, the most simple explanation that I've heard, which is a, I think is a really good explanation, is that if you go to the gym and you pick up t uh, a 10 pound dumbbell in each hand and you do bicep curls until you can't do any more, and when you start you can do eight reps and you couldn't do nine to save your life. But you do that twice a week for a number of weeks, it would probably be between two and four weeks before all of a sudden you can do maybe 10, 11 or 12 reps. And then you put those 10 pound dumbbells down and you go up and pick the 12 and a half pound dumbbells up and now you can do eight reps again and you repeat the process over and over again. And that's progressive overload. And that's the goal of strength training. The goal of strength training is that progressive overload continues to happen. but for a beginner, exactly what I just described will be enough to give you progressive overload. As soon as you get past that initial couple of months or the initial couple of mesocycles, it, it's not enough anymore to just go to the heavier weight and just do the reps and get it there. You have to get creative with different The more The more things. experience you become and the high, the greater your training age, meaning the time that you've been training under the, 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 the correct protocols or consistent protocols, uh, the more- Relevant to your- Current spot. Yeah, the more methodical you need to become, the more creative you need to become with the variables of program periodization. How and does that work in calisthenics? Well, in calisthenics, it's way harder because in calisthenics, you um, like in weightlifting, the the easiest way to describe it is that you you just have weights that you put on the barbell where you can be very calculated with the exact amount of. Um, uh, the intensity level that you're going to be training with so you can calculate your load a lot better. With calisthenics, it's leverage that you do and leverage can be completely changed with as little as one inch movement. Like one of the best ways that um, for anyone that's ever done them that you can really feel leverage is with a Nordic hamstring curl versus a glute ham raise or maybe not a Nordic hamstring curl, maybe if we say a glute ham raise where literally an inch of movement in the hip just changes the exercise from you being able to do 10 and saying, oh, I don't really feel this anywhere to you barely being able to do five. Yeah. And like the glute, like the hips and the glutes are shaking when you come up. So you have to understand leverage and you also have to understand progressions. And I think this is, I honestly believe that this is where, why so many people fail to get good at calisthenics because they don't understand progressions. And you see people doing calisthenics movements where the progression is so far beyond what they do. And when you break it down and explain to them some of the stages before, it just makes so much sense. But the problem is that 
So many people in the gym are fueled by ego. We're competitive by nature, and we like to look at the person next to us and think, well, you know, I, I look like that person. I should be able to do what they can do. And it just doesn't work that way, you know. Often a lot of these, the calisthenics people that can do one-arm pull-ups and handstand push-ups, they're, they're quite slender people. They don't, they don't have these massive physiques on them, often, not always. But um, I've definitely had my ego crushed um, looking at some people that I thought, I'd be stronger than this dude. And then they walk up and bust out one-arm pull-ups and, you know, yeah. all these things that I can't do, so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so imperial today with your pounds and inches. Yeah, What's yeah. Well, most, most <laughs> mostly Americans, isn't it? That that, that are that are watching our show. We, our biggest oh. audience is in America. Um, Still got a majority. Thirty-seven percent of Australians on our podcast. Do oh, we? Look at the yeah. analytics. So yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, really good points. And I think one of the key things to take away there is like often people will be aiming for a like the complete version of a calisthenics movement, um, and what will become challenging if you can only do you know one planche for example if when hold it for you know a certain amount of time then if you you won't get the required total load yeah. because you won't get the get enough the volume, volume on it yeah. so you've got the intensity but if you only get a tiny amount of intensity without the requisite volume then the total load won't be enough to then get an adaptation to get stronger and when it comes to calisthenics that's a really good point phil and when it comes to calisthenics volume wins the race not intensity and that's why so many people get it wrong people choose a progression where the intensity level is so high that they can barely do one rep, but what they do is they try to get the volume on that exercise that they can barely do one rep on, and what they end up doing is four or five reps of terrible technique. And that just doesn't add up to the volume that you need to be able to get um, you know, a good adaptation. And the adaptation usually occurs, like the people that we've spoken to that are really, really good at calisthenics, and, and it, I mean, we know this stuff from scientific programming principles, but y when you choose a progression with calisthenics, you need to be able to do a minimum of three perfect repetitions on that progression for it to be a viable exercise selection for a workout. Otherwise, it's not a workout, it's a trick or it's a demonstration of your max strength. It's not, a, a, it's not an exercise selection for a workout. You need to be able to do at least three perfect reps so that you can do, because then you're still gonna need to do about you know, five to eight sets of something of three reps to get enough <coughs> volume on it. I, I go further than that because you can't um, do three perfect reps and then you're fried. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you need that. to be able to do four reps. It's actually, yeah, because yeah. that would be training at your 100%. That's right. Uh, so you need to be able RM. to do four reps, but you actually do sets of three reps yeah. and so on and so forth. And for, for the most part, um, most people that are learning calisthenics, and this, is, this was a, a, quite an awakening moment for me, um, reading um, uh, Overcoming Gravity by Stephen Lowe, um, what he refers to as a, as a trained beginner is actually what we are, which is yeah. somebody who has some experience, but when you look at the gymnastics levels, like the, the exercise selection in gymnastics falls into level one to level 15. Yeah. And level 15 is the hardest category, level one is the easiest category. And the beginner progressions are level one to five, and the intermediate progressions are six to 10, and the advanced are uh, uh, 11 to 15. And it, I'm sitting in that one to five yeah. on 90% of what I'm doing. Yeah. And he calls that being a trained beginner. And that's quite a big ego bash because you go, whoa. And for a trained beginner, the best rep range to be working on is the five to 10 rep range. Yeah. And that makes that adds up to everything that we know about strength and conditioning because at our level, over eight reps, you're really not challenging your body enough to get adaptation. And under five reps, it's too hard for you to be able to really control the movement and get enough volume. So yeah. 
quite interesting. Long answer to your question, but uh, anybody that's into calisthenics. But this is why, and this I want to bring this back to what you know the concept of a foundations program. This is why I believe building a foundation is so important. When we talk about building a foundation, we don't just talk about prepping the body. We're going to go deep into injury proofing tomorrow and building anatomical structural balance so you perform at optimal levels and all of that sort of thing. We're going to go deep into that tomorrow. But on the very on the very basic level, a foundations program is an initiation into what we're talking about. Proper program periodization, understanding the fundamentals of how to manipulate load, manage load. And it should be done in the most simple way initially, so that it's not creating overwhelm or mm -hmm. complexity. Uh, you don't want to turn up to the gym with a program that you have to sit there for an hour calculating your loads first yeah. you know you want it to be simple you want to understand what a program card looks like you want to understand how exercises are grouped together and why you want to understand what sets reps tempo and your rest intervals mean and the roles they play in the adaptation process and that's what a found that's what a good foundations program teaches you you know and it teaches you in a very, very straightforward way. The, the, the way that we periodize the program in our foundations program is we use the most simple mechanisms, the, the exercise selection themselves over a, a three mesocycle phase. Then we undulate from higher volume to tapering to lower volume, but all the while increasing the intensity through that period, which is the best way to do it. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, it just teaches you all of that stuff, you know, yeah. so that by the time you come out of that, you have a basic education and you can look at a program card and you understand how things fit together. Yeah. So you avoid plateaus, so you avoid injuries. And then at the same time, it's balancing the body and doing all these great things we're going to talk about tomorrow, you know. And you know, I want to take a quick moment to talk about load management for flexibility development, because this is something that I answered um, a question which just comes up so often, at least for you and me, Yanni, where people don't even realize they're asking the question. But when we see what people are posting, we always say to each other, man, these, these people still aren't understanding what we're trying to talk about, about how you progress through flexibility. And one of our online members just the other day said, I just finished the hip rehab program. I'm doing the foundations program and I'm wondering how do I incorporate the mobility, the flexibility masterclass into my training. And I made a video because I said, look, you've got to understand that there's, there's a reason why the eccentric loading flexibility stretches like the diagonal stretch, the single leg good mornings that we spoke about the other day, why they're in the foundations program and why we say to people, do that first. Because that stuff prepares your body for the more advanced flexibility better than anything else. Eccentric loading is there for a really good reason. And what you're doing is you're coming out of a hip rehab program and you're going, okay, well, we've got this stretching that's designed to be done here. And then you could do another level of stretching above there, but I'm just going to go straight to the top and I'm yeah. going to try the hardest stuff. I've come out of a rehab program. Let's go straight to the top and try yeah. the hardest thing. So, and, so, so that suggests to me that the, who, whoever it was hasn't looked at the theory program for the rehab and understand the issue intensity continuum yeah. at all, or they've yeah. overlooked that. Well, it's not just that. I mean, if you've got to respect that, that even as, as, as good as we put our information together, there's still a lot to absorb and people can still read it and not assimilate it properly. And, and yeah. I respect that. It took me so long of reading, learning, going to workshops, trying to, to actually come to a point where I went, oh my God, this all makes sense now. Now I know how to write a program. Yep. So I get that, you know, you know, and that's what these groups are for so that we can yeah, answer these exactly questions. Like you know. 
a lot of experience in this room and a lot of years of study and whatever where it gets to the point where it, it seems you know seems like, basic oh, it's but obvious yeah. but you know, you know <laughs> yeah. it, it that it, it's a constant challenge to try and like we're always trying to simplify these things like we're you know really getting clear on our definitions here so that you can understand these principles and then apply it to mm. yourself because it is definitely overwhelming when you start out yeah. with all this and this I, I, I think chat. I, I think to like my my summary of all of this like if like if I was to say what's the take home from this my take home would be unless you are competing in an event and in which case this is a very different conversation but if you're not competing in an event then time is on your side it doesn't matter if you're 25 or 65 there's no race like you don't have to rush the process and the worst thing that can happen to you the most in my experience the most demoralizing thing that can happen is that you go at it and injure yourself and then you've got to put the brakes That's right on what i really wanted to like there's the progressive overload side of mastering uh, load management which is how you obviously you know get better but then there's the the bad side of it is if you get it wrong there's not only plateaus but there's also potential for injury because yeah pretty much every injury i see that comes in it, it comes down to a mismanagement of load and, and basically people either trying to progress too fast or having other things going on in their life that then means that what they usually do is now suddenly too much so that might an example that might be can, um, I, can I share an example please I have a really really good example that's um, that's recent um, so because no one's put their no Hi one's Lee. no Just one's answered highly <laughs> no one's answered the question of the day so I'm going to share yeah, a personal the one? A personal answer. story <laughs> that's what I'm yeah, around, right. you're the famous Burmeisters so that's my question for me so my my story is recently we did a we finished off a renovation and uh, at the end of it all I painted the new kitchen uh, and a, and a fair bit of painting work over the weekend and you know you would think someone you know, of my strength and, and uh, level of fitness, uh, you know, painting would be totally fine and really easy. But what happened was the, uh, the, the I got into the kitchen, painted, you know, three or four walls. And then the next week when I returned to my training, my rotator cuff in both shoulders completely um, like over overworked to the point where it almost ended up with a, a, a like a level of tendinopathy or something like when you when uh, Phil gave me a massage my rotator cuffs were so inflamed in both my shoulders and, and you know I had to really really think about how to manage that for the next week doing bench press and things like that because there was I was heavily um, uh, risking an injury you know yeah. and that's an example of introducing a, a different type of load pa painting you know doing these painting strokes if you if you're listening on the podcast I'm just mimicking up and down like Mr. Miyagi and Karate Kid that is um, working my rotator cuff and it seems really basic and simple but two days where I'd usually be sort of recovering over the weekend constantly fatiguing my uh my shoulders my and rotating cuff. in a different type of like a different contraction type like much sort of higher volume lower intensity but really extended volume yeah. suddenly is like a stimulus that you've not trained for whereas if you had a you know a master painter who's been painting for their whole like whole adult career then their training age is really old for the act of painting and yep. they would have developed this you know conditioning to be able to handle that and so it's such a good example of you know just because you're strong in certain ways doesn't mean you'll be strong in others it's, a, it's like load is so specific you will get the adaptations that you train for yeah that's exactly right and that's what we're talking about here like you have to think about 
what you're doing in your life. Like the, the classic example is you, you've, you've got to move house and you've trained really hard up until that, da- that point in the gym. You've continued on with your program and then you spend two days moving furniture and just, you know. What would usually be your rest days. What, what, yeah, which would yeah. usually be your rest days. And then you come in on, on, on the following week and try and take up your program like normal and sort of go, whoa, why is my lower back so fried? Or why is it? And you're so much more susceptible to injury because you haven't had recovery. You've introduced a different type of load and um, and you've got to factor that in to your program, you know? And this is one of the the, the most classic examples of, lo- of poor load management, you know? Another really good example of poor load management is when people take, they're away for a week or a week and a half and they come back in peak week. Yeah, and they say, "Oh, it's peak week," and you yeah, go, I'm "Just going to go into not it." Not for you, it's yeah. not. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, rest is load. Like yeah. underloading is load management. So yeah. if you take, you know, a week off, three weeks off, you know, like two months off, it's it's not that's not rest. That's mm-hmm. you know therapeutic. That is mm-hmm. underloading, which will cause an adaptation of of getting weaker. Which or a degeneration. Which yeah. you know what is a, it's a really good. Um, uh, time to, to remind the point that, which is why in deload week, we don't, deload week isn't do nothing week. Deload week is reduce volume, but still keep the intensity up because that keeps your body used to the load so that if you're doing everything right, when you come back in week one, you aren't starting from scratch, but you've deloaded the volume enough that you've recovered. You've gone through your, uh, um, you know, you've um, super compensated yep. and uh, you're ready to go again. But if you have a, like a week off is enough that when you come back, you need to reduce load. Yep. You need to manage your load a little bit just for that first week or two, just to feel it out, allow your body to get into it again. And, it, depe- and it depends on the, the stimulus prior to that week off because when I do a, a super compensation program, I'll have five days off doing absolutely nothing except eating and I'll come back stronger. But <laughs> So these muscles get a real Yeah, workout. that's right. But one of them, I think one of the most, one of the other most Fourth classic load. examples of bad load management is when you take a vacation away from your exercise program, uh, you know, two, three, four weeks, and then you come back and your brain is like, okay, I don't want to have lost that time. You walk back into the gym, you haven't thought about exercise for four weeks, mm. and then you walk back into the gym and go, okay, let's kick off where we left off. Yeah. And you pick mm. up the same weight that you tried, that you were lifting the week before you went away. That, and that is such a common thing that people do because they think, oh, I don't want to go backwards, you know, yeah. so I just, they, I'm just going to come in and just brutalize my body for this first week, but then at least I'm up the weights or the, the, the point where I left off. Yeah. And that is another classic example of really bad load management. You know, yeah. you have to regress at that point a little bit. And then, you know, it'll only take a couple of weeks, at the most one mesocycle, and you'll be back where you left off, you know. But the worst thing you can do is injure yourself. Now, tomorrow, we're going to talk about injury proofing, how to do it, uh, is it possible? And um, and it, it ties into uh, the concept of structural balance training and uh, prehab or conditioning. And that's one of the other key things that a good foundations program should do you know and i'm going to give a i'm going to give a little bit of a giveaway here you absolutely can injury proof your body 
tune in tomorrow to learn how. <laughs> Scott West, just before we go, Scott West has shared that he has had the same problem scraping paint off an old house for two days. Yeah, I feel oh, your pain. Mate. I feel your pain, pain Scotty. Scrapers. Yeah, mate, my, I was quite shocked at how much my rotator cuff got a workout painting. It was just ridiculous. And it was after I'd done some pretty heavy lifting. So my, my body was, uh, and I think the key is that it was done during a period where I'd usually be recovering. And I just didn't give my body that recovery. Anyway, tune in tomorrow. We've got a big show. We're cramming two shows into one because we missed a day yesterday due to the flooding. And uh, we're going to yeah, we're going to talk about injury proofing. I think it's yeah. a really important... And just my last little wrap-up point on this is um, it ties really well into not the wine episode yesterday, but the episode the day before where we were talking about measuring what you're doing and noting down what you're doing because the best way you can master your load management is first knowing your load management. Record that it. from recording it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the little hark back and definite, definite takeaway. Like, if you can record it, then you can manage it. Yeah, absolutely. Final last words, Richard. What have you got for us? <laughs> the voice of God. Thanks for tuning in, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. I'll see you tomorrow. He's good. <laughs> Boom, he's Mark good. Up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see, see you tomorrow. later, everyone. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.